Alrighty, welcome everyone to the Football Axonomous Podcast. As always, I have my friend Chris Cherry here. Uh, we got some some good stuff coming up in the next couple of weeks. We'll have uh, the U.S. the director of U.S. scouting for the Montreal Alouettes, uh, Russ Landy, coming up on Friday. Um, well, when we do offensive line uh, ranks for the 2021 NFL Draft. We have our tight end ranks today, which we'll get to at the end of the show. But before we do that, we have a bunch of other great stuff to talk about here, including games. I forgot to write that in, Chris. We had games this weekend. Yep. And we're not going to talk about all of them. Um, but uh, we will... I did put in the games, some of them which I saw, and also just the other um, top 25 games for the FCS. So we'll start off Friday night. This one I watched. uh, Really entertaining game, actually. Uh, So number five, South Dakota State got the win, 24-20 over number three, Northern Iowa. Major... um, Missouri Valley Conference um, implications in this one, even though it's only week one, but still uh, you have to keep pace with North Dakota State when you're in that conference. So, um, Mark Gronowski, uh, freshman quarterback, he was actually the third stringer in, in the fall. Um, they didn't play, obviously, but um, the other quarterbacks, uh, Jabor... Uh, Jabari Gibbs and uh, Keaton Heidi. Uh, Gibbs was injured in the fall and he wasn't ready for the spring. And essentially, Gronowski essentially beat out Heidi uh, for the starting job in spring practices and their kind of mock spring game that they had before the season started. Uh, and he played very well. I mean, you know, the completion percentage is a little low, but um, he had the game-winning passing touchdown there to um, Zach Hines. I don't know. It was Jackson Jenke. Um, or no, it wasn't. <laughs> it was Pierre Strong. I'm all wrong. Yeah, because it, it was Pierre <laughs> Strong coming out of the backfield. But yeah, this was an entertaining game. I liked uh, what I saw as the first game, essentially, of the SCS season. There was one last week, like you said, but yeah, this was a good game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was the game that you were talking about going into the weekend, correct? Yeah. Between uh, two of the top teams here. And uh, yeah, I didn't get the chance to watch any of these games this weekend because I was busy this weekend, but... Uh, yeah, this one looked to be a uh, relatively competitive game here. Twenty four twenty being the final. Yeah, it was. Uh, South Dakota State was up early. Uh, I believe it was ten to se- seventeen to seven um, at halftime, <laughs> and then UNI stormed back, scored thirteen in the second half, and then South Dakota State got the ball back. Uh, final drive touchdown with nine sec, nineteen seconds left. 
that won the game. So. And we will go to the next one here. This one I just put in. I mean, it is a top 25 team. But I also just put in because of the score. Absolutely uh-huh. ridiculous. Number 14, Nichols, beating Lincoln, Division Two Lincoln, uh, 87-3. to uh, Yeah, I didn't see this one because uh, I was watching the South Dakota State game, but I just saw the score at the end on Saturday morning and I was like what the hell happened I mean it obviously it's a division one against division two but you still never think it's going to be that bad (laughs) (laughs) no not at all yeah and they Uh, had uh what was it one two three four five six seven Eight different players score rushing touchdowns for Nichols. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Delaray Obre also had a 35-yard fumble return touchdown there uh, for Nichols State. Um, and he was actually named the conference player of the week. I forget which conference Nichols is in. Uh, I think they might be in... I'm blanking right now. And I'm not going to ask for your help, Chris, because I know you don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh, Let me see here. They are in the Southland Conference. So, yeah, Southland Defensive Player of the Week for Delery Obrey. All right. <laughs> we don't have to talk about that one much. Uh, a lot of stats. But, uh, yeah, there's no defensive stats on these because uh, the defensive stats in FCS, I don't know where you find them because they're not on ESPN and they're not on the NCAA's uh, game center for each game. Uh, so I have no idea where you find defensive stats for FCS. The only stats I can have are the interceptions uh, and defensive touchdowns. Could have fumble recoveries too, but I just choose to do interceptions and defensive touchdowns instead. Uh, But yeah, the first game we're going to talk about from Saturday, a game I listened to, uh, number two, James Madison, uh, shutting out Moorhead State 52 to nothing. And... Cole Johnson didn't have to do a lot. Uh, they really they pounded the ball. I mean, uh, how many times did James Madison run it? Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, they ran the ball 58 times for 369 yards. 6.4 per clip there uh, for the Dukes. And uh, Percy Agee, obese, uh, was the star there, obviously, 116 yards in touchdown. Palmer also scored two. Uh, they got Van Horst in the end zone as well late. This one made me mad, though. My parlay didn't hit. It was just a little three-teamer with uh, South Dakota State money line. James Madison, or this game, over 
55 and a half, so I needed 56 points. Also had Austin P minus six and a half, which didn't happen. But before the Austin <laughs> P game on came game came on yesterday, I was so mad at this game for not covering the over 55 and a half because mm-hmm. James Madison had the ball uh, at the Moorhead five yard line right right at the five yard line with uh 1452 to go in the fourth that can't be right yeah that's not right it was definitely uh less than that but anyways they had the ball at the five yard line and before they even take the first and goal snap they get a false start so it takes them back to the 10. They're first and goal from the 10-yard line. Uh, they go run on first and goal. No gain. Second and goal from the 10. They run again. No gain once again. Third and goal from the 10. Incompletion. <laughs> this is when they were up 52 nothing already. Um, and so they kick a field goal. Well, first off, like I said, I was listening to it. I couldn't find it uh, mm-hmm. to actually watch it, so I was listening to it. And th- how it made it, how they made it sound on the radio was that uh, there was an open receiver, but the quarterback got hit, so he couldn't complete the pass. So yeah, they end up picking a field goal, fifty-two points instead of fifty-six. And then they never, uh, they never do anything after that because they did get the ball back uh, again with uh, three forty-two to go, but it was on a punt return, and um, or no, it, it was on the first play of their next drive. They fumbled the ball away. <laughs> yeah. just wasn't meant to be this and and the ball was at the 50 yard line where where the guy fumbled it at so they would have had another chance to go down and score but they had mm-hmm. chances i mean the the issue with getting to over 56 in this game is i don't i don't necessarily know if i was thinking that moorhead was going to score but i figured james madison could cover it by themselves if they needed to uh, considering they're the number two FCS team in the country, but they they struggled in the even numbered quarters to score, uh, only scoring seven in the second and three in the fourth, but in the first and third they scored twenty one each. So, <laughs> yeah, when it was twenty one nothing after the first quarter, I was like, oh here we go. And it, it was actually it was actually twenty eight nothing early in the second, seven oh six remaining in the second quarter. It was twenty-eight to nothing already. I'm like, all right, we're halfway there. We're good. We're gonna go into the half at like thirty-five or forty-two nothing, and then we'll be okay. We'll only need a couple more scores in the second half. Yeah, it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't get that last touchdown. Yeah, like I said, it didn't matter because Austin P didn't uh, cover the thread anyways. But yeah, good win for JMU though. I have a soft spot for James mm-hmm. Madison considering I pass it. Every time I go back and forth from Pennsylvania. So, <laughs> right on 81. 
Mm-hmm. Next game, number 15, Furman got their first win of the season, beating Western Carolina 35-7. Uh, I didn't see this game, but uh, I'm sure it would have been a lot bigger had Hamp Sisson not thrown two interceptions. Uh, and also their backup quarterback for Furman also threw an interception. That's why there's three guys down there for Western Carolina that have interceptions. Uh, one of them's a running back, and I don't know. I, don't, I, I was about to say, is that a typo? <laughs> no, it's not. I checked on the roster, and the guy's position is a running back, it says. Huh. So I don't – yeah, I don't know. But, well, <clears throat> I looked at his bio then, and it, it said he did play defense in high school too. So um, he's probably one of those guys that – was recruited as an athlete, so he can play either way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, Furman got the win, and looks like they did the same kind of thing that James Madison did: run the ball a lot. Um, 106 yards and a touchdown there for a win. And yeah, the Paladins getting a win. <laughs> Didn't even think Furman was that good. No. I've never even heard of them, so. <laughs> <laughs> I believe they're. I believe they're down south here somewhere. As far as I know, anyways, North Carolina, South Carolina, something like that. Looks like uh, Western Carolina is not having a good season though. Zero and four already. Yeah, well, they were one of the teams that played in the in the fall, for three mm. games, so. But anyways, uh, the next team down the rankings, number 16, Walford. I know where they are. They're in North Carolina. Uh, 31-14 to 14, uh, over Mercer. Mercer he, uh, here in Georgia, I believe. Uh, Mercer also played in the fall, so they were 0-3 from that. But, yeah, Walford... Um, Looked good. I mean, I this was another one that I didn't really watch um, mm-hmm. on Saturday, but they got the win. The uh, yeah. I, I don't I don't like their their logos. <laughs> They're so. Crazy. Um, but if I can remember correctly, Mercer was the uh, team that Alex's friend plays for, correct? I believe. Yes, their kicker. Yep. So shout out to him, but uh, <laughs> unfortunately they couldn't come up with the victory. Yeah, and I'm not. I don't know if Jamari Broussard is Jarek Broussard's brother from Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be. I, I didn't look into it, but um, if it is, good for him. Uh, getting getting the win. Alrighty, let's go to the next one here. This one I did watch a little bit on Saturday. North Dakota, a mm-hmm. their this is their first year in the Missouri Valley Conference. Um, I forget which conference they were in before, but uh, people were saying how stupid it was that they were in a different conference because of geographically it made sense for them to be in the Missouri Valley. Mm-hmm. But anyways, yeah, they get a huge win. Their first game in the Missouri Valley Conference, mm-hmm. beating number twenty-four Southern Illinois, forty-four to twenty-one. And again, a lot of stats here. Uh, I pretty much put guys that scored touchdowns or at the leading yards getter for rushing, or passing, or 
receiving wasn't didn't score, I still put them on there because mm-hmm. they were the leader in yards for that particular statistic. But uh, Devin Krasanowski uh, for North Dakota getting a 36-yard fumble return touchdown there. And I'm interested, I'm interested to see what North Dakota does from here on out. Um, yeah. Yeah, they'll be they'll be. I was just gonna say they'll be uh, a very interesting story to watch because of their new division and all, or new conference and all that. Yeah, but well, was interested uh, to see that uh, they beat they beat Southern Illinois first off, and then to have them beat them by this much um, actually vaulted them into the FCS rankings, which I'll get to. Um, here in a minute. Yesterday's games, the number one team in the country, North Dakota State, beating Youngstown State 25-7 to to improve to 2-0 and um, after their win in the fall. But yeah, Young, uh, North Dakota State, I was very surprised. I turned this game on uh, kind of late. But they really didn't look that great. They didn't look like the number one team in the country. Granted, Youngstown State is an up-and-coming team. But I would have expected North Dakota State to, to beat Youngstown by a lot more than this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I didn't get to watch the game. But just based on the stats that you have on this uh, on the slide here, I mean, yeah, Youngstown... Obviously, doesn't have a lot of stats. They only scored one touchdown, whatever. Uh, but just based on that, I feel like North Dakota State should have maybe won by a little bit more there. Yeah. Um, I believe it started off 18 to nothing, I think. <laughs> I know it was 8 0 because they went for the two point conversion. Uh, their first touchdown and yeah it was 18 nothing in the third quarter Youngstown scored 7 18 and then 18 20 18 25 to 7 uh, there at the end but yeah uh, you know Zeb Nolan is the successor to Trey Lance and he did not play like a North Dakota State quarterback usually plays considering who they've had uh, in this run that they've had winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it's eight out of the last nine national championships. So, I mean, this is only his first game, so. Yeah, but, I mean, <laughs> if he doesn't get it going, I mean, they have, like I said, the Missouri Valley Conference is just ridiculous. Um because they have Southern Illinois coming up this week. Missouri State, Illinois State, and then the the gauntlet at the end of their schedule is crazy. North Dakota, South Dakota, South Dakota State, Northern Iowa. So South Dakota is the worst team out of those four. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the end of their schedule is ridiculously hard. So, yeah, so it'll be a good test for uh, Nolan there. Yeah, so but but like I said, they better get right in these next three games uh, before they have to play North Dakota. Granted, North Dakota it's a home game uh, for North Dakota State, 
But um, yeah, they they need to pick it up against Southern Illinois, Missouri State, and Illinois State. Mm-hmm. A lot of states <laughs> in the FCS. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyways. Uh, we'll go to the next game here. An upset Tennessee Tech beating number 13, Austin P 27-21. This was a fun game to watch. I watched this one just to see if my bet would have won had uh, James Madison hit the over, uh, but it did not. It was a very competitive game. I did not expect Tennessee Tech to be that good. <laughs> I mean, I had never heard of Tennessee Tech, really. Uh, they sound like a Division Two team, not a Division One FCS team. But <laughs> <laughs> props to them. Bailey Fisher getting it done. Uh, not that great. I mean, Austin P. Draylon Ellis was worse, uh, so that helped. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, it's kind of interesting to see though that a team that I mean they were zero and three, they were still ranked thirteenth, which uh, I don't know. I mean, they probably do have the pieces, but obviously they're not performing up to how they should be right now. Well, again, it's it was zero and three from the fall when yeah. no uh, no FCS teams really played. Yeah, and um, the I'm trying to. What um, yeah, because Austin P in the fall they played Central Arkansas, so that was an FCS team that they they played. They they lost to them by seven. That was the the kickoff game for the mm-hmm. uh, twenty twenty season, and that was a pretty good game. I remember that one. Uh, but then you know they get blown out by Pitt fifty five to nothing, fifty five to twenty against Cincinnati. So. Yeah, okay. They only really had one loss. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, second loss against an FCS team. But, yeah, Tennessee Tech, uh, again, this vaulted them into the top 25 this week now. So, mm-hmm. good for them. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see which one of these teams um, will kind of be like the Coastal Carolina of the spring here. <laughs> the team that nobody expected to be good and becomes like one of the best in the country. Dude, I'm all in on this, uh, FCS spring season. It's football. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. How Gives many us something other... to do while we're waiting for the draft and all that. Yeah. I don't know how many other people are going to be all in like I am, but, uh, <laughs> it gives me something to look forward to on Saturdays. Cause I have racing on Sundays, but, mm-hmm. um, they're, they're also playing on Sundays too. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They've, there, I think there's games mm-hmm. almost every week on all three days. So, yeah, um, Tennessee Tech with the win. Um, go to the next game. This one's the last game we have. Yep. This one I, I just put on. This one I just put on because it was Primetime's first game as the head coach, mm-hmm. Jackson State. There were literally zero. There wasn't a box score option on. <laughs> ESPN's app, nor was there any stats, any box score stats on NCAA's website. <laughs> so I just put the guys that scored touchdowns for Jackson State. 53 nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dion's got the win. And, yeah, I don't even know what Jackson State's 
uh, mascot is because that's their logo. Very, <laughs> very plain and weird. I don't like it, but yeah. 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 I mean, uh, this was one of those games I was reading up on it because everybody was making a big deal out of it because it was Deion Sanders' first game as the head coach. But uh, yeah, this was just one of those uh, warm up games where they basically uh, just matched up against a team that they were guaranteed to blow out like this. So yeah. Then <laughs> Edward Waters Division One NAIA school. Uh, so uh, again, kind of like the Nichols game. You kind of knew this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nichols, like I said, overperformed my expectations for that game. Uh, Jackson State fifty-three nothing was kind of right there where I expected <laughs> it to be. Yeah. Um. Uh. I I am interested to see how uh, their season goes though because, like I said, it's uh, prime time as the head coach there. So um, I'm sure that there, if nothing else, there's going to be a lot of people invested in Jackson State this year. Yeah, um, I, yeah. I'm not sure how good they actually are, but uh, they they they're in a tough conference as well. Uh, the SWAC, Southwestern Athletic Conference, you know, that that conference has powerhouses like Alcorn State, uh, Arc- uh, not, uh, Prairie View A&M, Grambling State, uh, and also potentially Southern as well. So... They're lucky that they're in the division with Alcorn State because I think Alcorn's really the only other uh, tough team to play this year. But actually, Alcorn isn't playing. I forgot. Alcorn is not playing this spring. So, uh, Jackson State, I would actually probably give them the advantage in the uh, Eastern Division for the Southwestern Athletic Conference. Yeah, go win a go win a division title. I, I don't know if they'll win a conference title because, like I said, <laughs> the West is yeah. pretty stacked. Mm-hmm. But yeah, great, uh, good first warm up game by Jalen Jones. Four total touchdowns there for the quarterback of Jackson State. And yeah, again, I, I don't know what the mascot is. Sorry. <laughs> no, <laughs> no idea either. Alrighty, uh, before we get into the news, we'll go over the FCS Top 25 updated for Week 2. North Dakota State sitting at number 1 still at 2-0. James Madison 2 still at 1-0. South Dakota State moves from 5-3 to three at 1-0. Uh, Weber State stays at number 4. Northern Iowa drops 3-5 to five at 0-1. Villanova jumps 8-6. to six. Uh, Illinois State nine to seven. Uh, Kennesaw State ten to eight. Nichols goes from fourteen to nine at one and zero. Furman fifteen to ten at one and zero. Wofford goes from sixteen to eleven at one and zero. Eastern Washington eighteen to twelve. Albany seventeen to thirteen. North Dakota no ranking unranked to fourteenth at one and zero. New Hampshire twentieth to fifteenth. Jacksonville State. <coughs> At three and one, uh, they go from unranked to 16th. Sam Houston 22nd to 17th. 
Southeastern Louisiana, 21st to 18th. Uh, McNeese State, unranked to 19th at 1-0. Uh, Monmouth, 23rd to 20th. Southeastern, Southeast Missouri, uh, 25th to 21st at 0-1. Tarleton State, unranked to 22nd at 1-1. Uh, Tennessee Tech, unranked to 23rd at 1-0. Elon, unranked to 24th at 1-0. And Delaware, unranked to 25th so yeah a lot of movement there uh i believe that is just because they the original rankings um had uh if i can get it here (laughs) (laughs) i have it up on my computer uh but that's not that's not what i want uh-huh. yeah cuz i believe the original rankings had teams that kind of like how the fbs happened where there was Pac-12 in the beginning that were ranked really high, and they didn't play till later. So yeah, the teams—I don't know if they're not playing or uh, what, or if they're just playing later. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Montana, Montana State, and Montana were sitting at six and seven. They are now out. Um, Central Arkansas at 11, also out. Sacramento State, 12th, out. Um, and North Carolina A&T, also out at 19th. New Hampshire, uh, New Hampshire. No, I said New Hampshire is at 15th, yeah. Uh, and I believe South... No, southeastern Louisiana is still there. Sam Houston State still there. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. So Montana State, Montana, Sacramento State, Central, Arkansas, North Carolina, A&T, all the ones that didn't play yet and were knocked out for that reason. Also, Southern Illinois knocked out. Uh, obviously, they lost. And Austin P as well uh, knocked out of the top twenty-five because of loss. Hmm. So yeah, that's the top twenty-five uh, for this week. It's a pretty good uh, start to the rankings there. Yeah, it's just weird. I I'm sure. Going from week two to three, there will be a lot less movement. Um, I wish it did, like, they would show like they do um, the ESPN, the AP poll and stuff where they show, all right, these teams dropped out, but they don't show that at the bottom. (laughs) So, yeah. But anyways, 
NCAA news, just two little notes here, a couple pro day uh, dates that I got over the weekend. Uh, Penn State is going to be March 25th. LSU's will be uh, March 31st. So, Also, uh, today, Notre Dame said they're not going to be in the new EA Sports college football game. Uh, until the name image likeness rules get finalized through the NCAA. So I don't think that's a big, that's really a big issue. Um, I think that considering how far it sounded like EA Sports was a way to actually releasing the game, uh, I, mm-hmm. think, I think the rules will be finalized by then. <laughs> yeah. They should be, so. Yeah. All right. Uh, as far as NFL news, there's actually co- sort of a lot uh, that I got within the mm-hmm. last couple of hours. <clears throat> but anyways, we'll start off with the Panthers. Again, the Panthers clearing room out. Wonder for who. I think it's a guy that wears number four. Um, but... They converted 7.04 million of center Matt Paradis, 8.03 million salary into a signing bonus, uh, and that created about 4.693 million in cap space. So yeah, man, it's it's just another move. <laughs> the Panthers are broken um, up. Yeah, but they still got a lot of work to do, still, right? If they were actually going to be clearing space for Watson. No, not really. Over the cap has them sitting at thirty-one million. Under? No, over. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, they still got they still got to clear that. And that oh no! Oh no! No, yeah, yeah, no. Under the cap, they have thirty-one million in space. Mm. So yeah, they're good. Okay. Hmm. It'll be interesting to see uh, how that all shakes out. Yeah, and you were making a big fuss about the Jets having 14, almost 15 million in dead money, man. Panthers have the most dead money in the league. Or no, they don't. They have the third most dead money in the league. What? Huh? What is it? What is it? 22.6. Can you guess who has the first? (laughs) I'm sure you can. Uh, I'd probably say somebody like the Saints or... I don't know. The Saints actually don't have that much dead money. They really don't. Hmm. They just have bad, over, overflated contracts. Is it the Texans with the most? No. <laughs> and who has the most of them? The jersey I'm wearing. Oh. The Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I, ju- I forgot that they just had to do that whole... Uh... Salary dump with Wentz, so yeah. 40 million and dead money. Mm-hmm. Wonderful news. <laughs> but yeah. All right. Uh, also clearing out room are the Steelers. Um, they converted defensive lineman Cam Hayward's roster bonus and his base salary to a signing bonus, uh, which created about $7 million in cap space. They are also trying to clear cap... For a quarterback, uh, mm-hmm. but it's their own. So, 
I, I mean, they still have to deal with his contract too. Don't they still have to get rid of his forty or forty million dollars salary or something? Or did they already do that? Yeah, it's forty-one million cap hit. But uh, no, they haven't talked to him yet. Uh, they're as far as I've heard, their plan is to figure out the rest of the team first, and then they're going to figure yeah. out Ben, which makes no sense. Like a <laughs> well, uh, like a Didi Kinkobala said before on Twitter. Yeah, um, I've heard in terms of that situation, uh, some of the former Steelers have been tripping in. Um, one in particular that I read this morning was Ike Taylor, uh, former Steelers cornerback. He was saying that Ben should just hang it up and leave the Steelers alone because he thinks that if uh, Big Ben stays there, that that's setting them back another two or three years. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. I think they've done this to themselves. Um, but it's. I mean, it's. It's the way the Steelers have operated for a long time. This is just how they do the cap. They they do um, contracts and then they do salary and uh, roster bonus conversions uh, just to push the money to future years. And uh, that's what I saw this really good explanation um, today on Twitter. I won't read the whole thing because it's pretty long. Um, But if you want an explanation on how it actually works uh converting base salary into a a signing bonus um go check out field yates i believe it's on field yates's twitter um he retweeted it before and yeah it's it's essentially so I guess I'll do I'll read the example here. So if if a player has twelve million in salary for twenty twenty one and is under contract through twenty twenty five, so five more years, then the team uh, the team could convert ten million of that twelve million dollar salary into uh, a base into a signing bonus, and then um, that would create. Eight million in cap space uh, for 2021. So yeah, essentially it, it spreads the dead money, or not the dead money, the added, the extra money uh, over the course of <coughs> the contract. Prorated, it's prorated uh, cap charge. So that's why these quarterbacks like Matt Ryan, Big Ben have these massive cap numbers not that that's what they're actually making this year uh-huh. but it's the proration of the uh, contract restructures every single time that they do one it just pushes more money into future years so that's yeah that that's what happens <laughs> but yeah yeah i'm i'm happy with just like the simplified uh like, this is how much they're making for this many years, and that's all I care about. Because then it gets very complicated with all those <laughs> other numbers. Capology, man. It's a great time. It's fun. <laughs> I still don't really get a lot of what happens with the cap, but I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying to Oh, yeah, Mr. Future GM over there. You need to <laughs> figure it out. 
Um, Chris, your Jets. Uh, Ian Rappaport said this today. They're gonna li- they're gonna evaluate all the quarterbacks first in the draft mm-hmm. class uh, before they make a decision on Sam Darnold, uh, which includes all of the interviews that they're gonna do with them and all of the guys' pro days, which would push the Sam Darnold decision all the way until April, mm-hmm. possibly all the way till the draft. Um, yeah, I. I don't think anything's happening with the Jets unless it's to trade for somebody like Watson, which seems less and less likely now. But uh, I don't think anything's happening with them until the draft. Um, I've also heard in recent days, kind of branching off that, that right now they're leaning towards keeping Sam and either picking somebody else with number two or trading back in the draft. Um, but like you said, they still have to go through all the interviews and all that. Um, and honestly, I don't really know what the best uh, what the best option is for them right now. I don't know what I want. Um, I mean, in terms of Sam versus any of the rookie quarterbacks coming in. Because uh, there's a lot of factors that go into it. But one of the things that I saw that makes a lot of sense is that Darnold would be making in the next two years what one of the rookies would be making in their entire rookie contract. So if they're looking for financial flexibility, it would obviously be smarter to go with one of the rookies. But if the new regime uh, believes that Darnold could kind of resurrect his career, then it's up to them to do that and then build around him. Uh, I'm just happy that Darnold has not been that good considering I was not high on him going into that draft and I kind of knew he was going to suck so (laughs) (laughs) well I mean yes he probably isn't that great but he never really had any help anyway I mean he had one of the worst coaches in NFL history as his head coach and then on top of that, he didn't really have much of a team to play with. So neither, um, neither did Carson Wentz, and he led them to two straight playoff appearances in 2018 and 2019. Just, so, just. So. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see how that whole shit, whole thing shakes out. But like I said, I heard that at the moment, the Jets are leaning towards keeping Darnold. Uh, but we'll have to see how that works out in the next couple of months. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of another quarterback that could get moved, the Raiders. Uh, Marcus Mariota, most likely going to get traded a uh, $10 million base salary this year. Um, and I, I get annoyed every offseason. They're like, Everyone's like, oh, Derek Carr's gone, man. He sucks so badly. I'm like, yeah, okay. There's a lot more worse quarterbacks that you could have than Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the Raiders did did very well, uh, mm-hmm. depending on what you know, how high of a draft choice they get uh, for Mariota. I mean, considering what the quarterbacks are going for right now, a quarterback that 
granted, he only is on the hook for one more year. Um, one year at, at $10 million is quite the bargain. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's something as high as a third-round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, especially for somebody with his uh, with his pedigree being a former number two overall pick, much like uh, Wentz was number two, correct? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, there's that comparison with him, but obviously he doesn't have, like you said, he doesn't have that big contract strapped to him, so. Um, I don't know. I could see him being traded for a similar deal to the Wentz deal, but I don't know. Yeah, I, with only one year remaining, though, that's, that's tough to give up a lot uh, for only a one-year contract. Um, but, yeah, most likely going to be gone from Vegas. So that means Nathan Peter is the backup quarterback in Vegas. John Gruden's favorite guy. Um, <clears throat> one guy that won't be playing anywhere this next season. Seahawks offensive lineman Mike Upati retiring for the second time. I believe he retired already before with the Niners. And then I don't came remember. Back, came back. But, uh, uh, played with the Cardinals, played with the Seahawks. Uh, the yeah. only team he didn't play for in the NFC West was the Rams. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, too bad he couldn't stick it out for one more year and join the Rams and uh, <laughs> complete the whole division. Yeah, uh, so he is gone. Um, and tomorrow, tomorrow is the start of the <laughs> franchise tag window. Um, so... We have guys like Dak Prescott, Chris Godwin, Kenny Galladay, Allen Robinson, Justin Simmons, all out there um, ready ready to either get a deal or be tagged mm-hmm. once again. Yeah. And that is that goes through March 9th. And I know mm-hmm. I, I saw Rappaport's thing on NFL Now today about uh, probably not going to be a lot of – tags going out in the early going uh teams are going to try to get long-term deals with those guys first um and then if they can't they'll put the tag on um in the coming two weeks um and another guy just to throw a name out there that i've heard uh that it will possibly get tagged is for the Jets, Marcus May. Um, I heard that earlier today that they were seriously considering doing that. So I wouldn't mind that because he is the best player on their defense. Yeah, I think uh, you also have guys out there like uh, left tackle Taylor Moten for the Panthers. You have running back Aaron Jones for the Packers as well. Um, High profile Mm -hmm. guys there. Just to remind everyone, the first-year cap numbers, so this is not going to apply to Dak Prescott, Justin Simmons, uh, Allen Robinson. Was Allen Robinson on the franchise tag this year? Uh, I don't think I don't so. Think so he might be, but I don't think But anyways, quarterbacks, $24.8 million. Offensive line, 13.6. 
Running backs is eight and a half, which is pretty good. I think the Packers are going to end up having Aaron Jones play on the franchise tag this year. Wide receiver is fifteen point eight million, so good uh, number there for Chris Godwin, Keddy Galladay, the likes. Tight end is nine and a half. Uh, corner is fourteen point nine. Defensive end is fifteen point nine. Uh, defensive tackle thirteen point seven. Linebacker is fourteen point six. Um, offensive, I already said that offensive line is thirteen point six. Uh, and then punter or kicker is four point four million. So yeah, ten to fifteen percent decrease uh, from last year. Based I mean, on... still some pretty pricey tags, though. Yeah. But that's the thing, like, Dak's second franchise is $37.7 million. Um, I don't know what it is for Justin Simmons. But, um, yeah, because he's a safety, and I'm not sure what the safety... I think they meant to put... They wrote in this article, offensive line twice. That's the screenshot that I have. I think they meant to put safety, but I don't know if safety's at 13.6 as well. Uh, Because corner's at 14.9, so 13.6 for a safety would be right there, I think. I don't know, though. Not exactly sure. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah. I, I, I believe... There's going to be a majority of teams using the tag this year, considering what the cap's at. It it does put a damper on. Uh, it does put a p- pretty big cap charge on your uh, salary cap, but it's only for one year, so it's it's not like it's that major of a deal. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. I'd expect a majority to use the tag this year. Uh, the Texans, they re-signed a guy not many people probably know or probably care about him getting re-signed, uh, but we're going to say it anyways. Uh, running back slash returner Dontrell Hilliard uh, played for a couple of teams throughout his career so far. Um one year, one and a quarter million, two hundred thousand guaranteed. Uh, pretty good deal for him, I would say. I would take two hundred thousand guaranteed. That would be great. <laughs> to sit on the Wouldn't bench. Wouldn't mind that. But yeah, I think he is one of their main uh, kickoff returners there. So, and the Eagles, they are cutting the fat. Is that is that a saying? Is that the, is that the right saying? <laughs> trimming I the fat. So. Trimming the fat. Yeah, trimming the fat. That's the word. Um, Deshaun Jackson officially released today. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey also will be released at the uh, new league year on March seventeenth. So yeah, receiver definitely in play at number six for the Eagles, and I'm getting really annoyed by these reports out there that quarterback is on the table at number six as well makes absolutely no sense um and for one i wouldn't want who would be there at number six because it would be justin fields most likely Mm -hmm. and i don't want justin fields (laughs) um (laughs) 
So I'm hoping that they just bring in a veteran uh, because I'm not confident that Nate Sudfeld can be a competent backup <laughs> considering he was absolutely terrible against Washington in the last <clears throat> game of the year. Um, so, yeah. I have no mm-hmm. idea what the Eagles are doing at six. <laughs> Alrighty, and that is all the news I have. I haven't seen any new new stuff come up. So we will move on to our favorite game on the Monday show. Would you rather, Chris? Here we go. And I like that I don't put these on the script. I just put the game. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm completely blind on these right now. I don't That's even great. know what positions you're doing. So It's great. It's all uh, first reaction here for me. <laughs> That's what we like to see. So, mm-hmm. we're doing quarterbacks again, though, actually, for the second week in a row. But it's a lower-tier lower, lower quarterback. I like to put guys that are similar, so we have a little debate. So, Jameis Winston, Mitchell, Trubisky, both free agents. <laughs> now, <laughs> no, for me, I think I would have to go with Jameis Winston um, because – I mean, these guys are both, I believe, the first uh, quarterback in their drafts, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Miles. I know Jameis Winston was first overall, and then Miles Trubisky Garrett. was involved in that big trade between the Niners and Bears. Yeah, Miles Garrett got taken draft. number one overall in 2017. Yeah. Um, but, and neither one of them have really seen too much success in their careers. Um, but I think in terms of potential and all that i think i'd rather Jameis winston um obviously he had that really rare season uh two seasons ago now his last season with the bucks when he did the 30 and 30 uh touchdowns and interceptions but um i I don't i don't really know off the top of my head how many of those interceptions were actually his fault or how many of them were like the tip drill kind of thing or all the other factors that could go into interceptions. Um, but I do know he has the potential to be a great quarterback as long as he can clean up some of those uh, interceptions. And uh, I mean, he had this year to learn under Drew Brees and he did only come in for that one play against the Buccaneers in the playoffs, but he scored a touchdown on that one. Um, and yeah, I just, I think overall, like I said, I think he has the, I want to say, both higher floor and higher ceiling. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. Uh, As far as arm strength and overall natural ability, I would go with Jameis Winston. But I'm actually going to go with the True Biscuit. Um, That's one of my favorite self-made nicknames for a player that I have. Uh, Trubisky, um, but you know he has won. He's won more games than Jameis for one. Uh, you know if he gets in the right system, he's good to go. And that right system is the system that he was just coming from, <laughs> the the Matt Nagy kind of uh, West Coast dink and dunk RPO kind of scheme. Uh, fits well with Mitchell Trubisky. And I think, actually, if he's going to go so- somewhere and be a backup, I know they already have Jacob Eason, but 
Indianapolis with Carson Wentz, uh, it, it would depend on how much uh, Trubisky's willing or how much he's asking for uh, in free agency. But um, I don't, I don't think that would be a bad place for him to go and back up Carson Wentz and possibly be a starter if Wentz struggles. You know, mm-hmm. granted, I think Frank Reich knows that Carson has issues when they bring in other quarterbacks, so I don't think they would do that to his psyche. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I I think Mitchell Trubisky has won games, and we saw it before he got benched. He was coming back and winning games for the Bears yeah. before Foles took over. Yeah, they were, I think, 5-1 and one when he got benched, right? Or yeah. Or 3-1, something like that? So. Yeah. Yeah, he. I don't think he was the problem necessarily. Obviously, they still ended up making the playoff, but they were the seventh seed and all that. Um, but yeah, I, I did like him too. I think he can uh, be a potential, uh, even starting quarterback in this league. Still, um, you were kind of saying the Matt Nagy type system, like the dink and dunk and the play action and all that. Uh, one place I could actually see him kind of going and it would be totally a move I could see happening is uh, Belichick picking him up in New England uh, because that's just something Belichick would do and he would turn Trubisky into a Hall of Fame quarterback um, and it would be just my luck as a Jets fan for that to happen. They're rumored with Marcus Mariota. They're They're married to Marcus Mariota. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna get him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I hope it would be another camp situation. But. Yeah. Well, that's what I also like about Mitchell Trubisky is that he's a runner. People don't people underestimate Mitch's uh, athletic ability uh, because mm. he can really run the ball. I mean, I don't. Jameis, I don't think is really that much of a runner. Uh, I think Jameis is more of a pocket passer. Um, but yeah, I, I like Mitch's mobility as well over Jameis's. Mm-hmm. So that's our. Yeah, first. I agree with that. <laughs> that's our first. Would you rather? Now, who do you? Uh, let me just before we move on to the next one. Out of these two, who do you think would be more likely to return to their current team? Oh, Jameis, easily. Yeah, uh, because. The Bears, regardless if they can get a big-name veteran, uh, they're kind of in a rut with Foles right now. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think at the very least they will have Foles as their quarterback this year. Um, but, yeah, I, mean, they're, I think the Bears are a potential spot where they're sitting in the first round. Um, what is that? Twenty. Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah, so I mean, I think they're a potential spot for some guys like Mac Jones, Kyle Trask, um, potentially even Trey Lance if he makes it that far. But um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, Kyle Trask, I I wouldn't see having. 
that bad of an, a time in Chicago either. So. Alrighty, that's our first one. Next one coming up is running backs. Two guys that wear number 28. Mike Davis, Leonard Fournette, again, we're doing mostly free agents. So, mm-hmm. I will go first. And as as much as I loved what Mike Davis did in McCaffrey's place this year, I got to go Leonard Fournette. He completely changed his career going to Tampa from Jacksonville. Uh, and he was a key staple on the Tampa Bay Bucks winning the Super Bowl. Um, I don't know if he'll be back in Tampa. I know the Bucks want to re-sign everyone. <laughs> so, yeah, they got, uh, I think they have more priorities over him. So It wouldn't surprise me if he is back in Tampa, though. Uh, but yeah, I, I just like Leonard Fournette. Both these guys are around the same age. I think Mike Davis is 28, Leonard Fournette's 27, I believe. Uh, so they're still relatively young. The issue, I think, with Leonard over Mike Davis is that the amount of carries, uh, Leonard had a boatload in, at LSU and a boatload in Jacksonville. Um, but I don't think he took on as many in Tampa this year, uh, considering he split a lot early in his Tampa tenure with Ronald Jones. So I think that helped kind of keep him fresh throughout the year. But yeah, I I like Leonard Fournette. Uh, He proved that he can catch the ball as well. He caught a lot of balls from Tom Brady this year, um, which I liked seeing. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I I think all your arguments for uh, for Fournette are – valid and 100 percent true but i think i'd actually go with davis um i mean you kind of touched on it he filled in very nicely for the injured mccaffrey um and he kind of proved that he could be a featured back um in an offense uh but i still think that he would be better off going to somewhere where he would be a committee back um and another point that you touched on was the negative part for Fournette was his amount of workload that he's had already. Um, he's had, I don't even know how many carries, but he's definitely uh, losing some tread on those tires with uh, all those carries that he's done over the years. Um, and, yeah, I just, Mike Davis to me, I think, still has a lot more left even though I don't think he's necessarily the better running back at this moment, I think in the long term, I think Mike Davis would be the better option. Yeah, and there's even uh, some thoughts out there that say he could return to his former team. Uh, Who, in case you don't know, is the Seattle Seahawks, uh, if they move on from Chris Carson this year, which is a possibility. So, yeah, that's uh, that's the second one. <laughs> Number 28's battling it out there. Third one here. Here we go. Defensive lineman. K-1 shorts. And Dominican Sue. Chris, go ahead. <laughs> this one, I think, is the toughest of the three. Um, 
for me. I I don't know. I think I'd have to go with Kiwan Short uh, only because I think it's kind of the same argument with uh, the last one. Ndamukong Su, I think, has just been through so much and he's been in a lot of the trenches. Like He's definitely got a lot of tread on his tires and he's getting up there in age. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think Short is a little bit younger, right? Um, so, I just, even though I think Sue still has it in him, again, I'm thinking long-term solutions, and I I would definitely go with short. Yeah, again, I, I think I'm on the opposite side of you, Chris. Um, That's good, three for three. Because I just think Indomitian Sue is the better player. I mean, overall, throughout his career, there's a reason why, well, granted, youth was one of the reasons why K1 Short was let go from Carolina. Um, but also, you know, I think Indomitian Sue, someone was asking before about uh, if you think Indomitian Sue has a Hall of Fame um resume and i mean i don't think he necessarily does uh but you know he was one of the best defensive players on a very bad a bunch of very bad lions teams went to the super bowl uh with the rams i believe he was on that team uh as well as just won the super bowl obviously with with the bucks there uh k1 short is 32 and Dominican Sue is 34. So mm-hmm. not that many years left for Indomican, but um, I don't know. I just think he is on a really good line, which helps, obviously. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think he's done more throughout his career than KK Short has. Um, just as far as a pure pass rusher, I think KK Short has been more of a run stuffer than pass rusher. But. Yeah. That's just me. <laughs> Alrighty. The last one. Last one is always, almost always, non football. So, since we're both from the Northeast, Chris, and that is where, besides Canada, hockey mm-hmm. is very prominent. So, <clears throat> let's do this here. Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin. I am oh. going first, and I'm picking, obviously, my guy, Sidney Crosby. <laughs> Just played in his 1,000th game uh, with the Pittsburgh Penguins. The only Pittsburgh Penguin to play in 1,000 games all with the Penguins. Um, and... You know, I just think he has, he's a three-time Stanley Cup champion, 09, 16, and 17. And I don't know. I just think he's so masterful, and he's been the best player for so long. Because Ovechkin, okay, he can score goals. But Sidney Crosby, he can do everything. He can score. He is a fantastic passer uh, of the puck. And, you know, I just think he's a winner. And he had... Two assists 
in his 1,000th game, uh, which was pretty cool <laughs> to see on um, Saturday there. <laughs> this one is a really tough one because uh, they're two of the best uh, hockey players here in the last uh, decade or so, probably closer to two now. Um, yeah, Ovechkin but, 712 goals in this game. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think this might have been the hardest of all four choices <laughs> here because both of these players have met not only so much to their teams, but so much to the sport in general. Um, but I think I'd have to agree with you here with, with Crosby because I think he's just been the better player for longer and he's helped the city of Pittsburgh and the Penguins there to the success that they've had. Uh, they've had, I think more sustained success. I mean, I know the capitals won it, what, three years ago now, two years ago. Yeah. Three. But, uh, yeah, I, that was their only title. Um, yep. I don't know. Have that was their one and only title, right? Or have they ever won another? One? No. I can't even think. No, yeah, it's their only one in franchise history. Yeah, and the Penguins have been there, um, or close to it, pretty consistently. So, yeah, and he's a big part of that. So I'd have to go Crosby here. Yeah, Ovechkin's seventh all-time with the 712 goals. He will likely this season uh, pass Phil Esposito for sixth, possibly Marcel Dion for fifth at 731. But, yeah, I I think Crosby and the way the Penguins are playing right now, I don't know if they're peaking at the right time or not, if it's too early in the season to peak right now. But... I think uh, they're playing very well. Huh. Ironically, that's the next game, too, is Pittsburgh versus Washington tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of why I put it on here, too. But uh, <laughs> I was not I was trying to pick out a kind of current event mm-hmm. uh, one, and I couldn't think of. Like the one, I, like the one we did last week, the, the Karen of the year. Uh, <laughs> I, I, couldn't, I couldn't find something. I was yeah. I I was highly thinking of doing uh, Cam Newton versus the kid, <laughs> but I I did not decide to put that on there. But yeah, uh, that is all for the Would You Rather Monday game here, and we will get into now our twenty twenty one NFL draft tight end rankings. Very difficult. There's not that many. Uh, I don't really know a draft year that has been flourished, flush with uh, tight ends. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> there's I mean, always... Go ahead. I was, I was looking at uh, this earlier because I was also um, kind of curious, but I think probably the last really good... Uh, tight end class had to be the year that your jersey was selected uh 2013 because they had uh tyler eifert zach Ertz, 
Travis Kelsey, Jordan Reed, uh, and a couple other good guys. So I think that was the last really good draft for but, a tight end. But how how many of those guys went in the first two dates? Uh, Eifert was the first one selected 21st overall. Um, Ertz went in the second yeah, round. There was, there was six tight ends taken in the first three rounds. Oh, okay. But, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, though. A lot of the times with tight ends, you don't uh, you don't see them making impacts. Like, guys come out, and then they just come from out of nowhere, kind of, in the at the tight end position. Uh, but, I mean, when you, when you have the disparity of, at the tight end position, uh like we do in the league right now, especially when it comes to fantasy. Uh, now that there's only a top two, and, well... Yeah, Kelsey and... Um, why, am I, why am I blanking on to the other tight end is? Kittle? Yeah. Kelsey and Kittle... <laughs> And now I think Darren Waller has replaced Zach Ertz as that third mm-hmm. kind of locked. Those three are like, boom, those are your guys. And if you can't yeah. get those, then you wait in the draft. Then you wait. <laughs> and uh, Kittle wasn't even selected till 146 overall, the fifth round. So oh, Yeah, I knew I knew that when he was a fifth-round pick. Though. He was really good. Yeah, so uh, this is one of those positions that you really don't know what you're getting until, they, until you see him play. Yeah. But uh, I'll start out here. So, number one, our lists are almost the same. Uh, mm-hmm. But number one, Kyle Pitts, uh, consensus number one. Before this year, though, that's the only thing that scares me. He only had one year, really, that he that he was very productive. Before mm-hmm. this year, Pat Fryermuth was the guy. He was going to be the tight end. But, you know, Kyle Pitts came out, had a miraculous year with Kyle Trask. Uh, in Florida, and I don't know. I don't even know if he'll play tight end. Uh, there's some uh, things out there that said, you know, he's gonna be playing wide receiver at the NFL level, which is fine. He can play either. <laughs> he's big enough, uh-huh. uh, and he has the hands. He he dropped zero passes this year. It's absolutely crazy. No drops. Um. But Pat Frymuth second, like I said, he was the he was the guy at tight end coming in to the twenty twenty season. There's a reason why they call him Baby Gronk, uh, <laughs> not just because he wore Gronk's number uh, or wears Gronk's number, but I you know he he didn't have a good year in, at Penn State. No one, no one at Penn State had a good year. <laughs> but uh, his 2019 was very good, uh, including going and uh, beating Memphis in the Cotton Bowl Classic there. Uh, you know, I, I thought Pat Frymuth was, you know, very good. And uh, I think he's the most complete tight end in the draft. Um uh, I'm not sure where Kyle Pitts 
blocking is. But as far as receiving, Kyle Pitts trumps everyone. But yeah, Pat Fryermuth, I think, the most complete guy, and I think he will be an addition uh, to someone, very, very uh, good addition to someone's team here. Hunter Long, number three, is a guy I, I like uh, really very much. Was Phil Dracovich, um kind of guy, really, in the in the Boston College offense. I mean, I didn't watch Boston College too much this year. But um, Phil Dracovich really looked to Hunter Long, and Hunter Long put up a, a pretty good stat line there at BC. What I like about Hunter Long is that uh, he had a good week at the Senior Bowl. And, yeah, he's another guy that I'm not sure where his blocking is. But, again, he can he can catch the ball. So, Brevin Jordan at, at Miami, um, not too much to say about him. He was Derek King's go-to guy, essentially, in the middle of the field. Uh, every time I watched a Miami game, Brevin Jordan had pretty good games most of the time, especially uh, I remember the North Carolina game, even though they were getting blown out uh, by the, the North Carolina run game. Uh, Brevin Jordan, he had a monster game. I believe he had over 100 yards and two touchdowns in that game. So um, good receiving tight end there. And Trey McKitty at number five. Uh, I know Mark texted me about uh, no Matt Bushman from BYU. And I was like, well, I thought that I liked some players better in that offense than uh, Bushman, I didn't really think he was that much of a factor. But Trey McKitty, Georgia didn't use him. That was the biggest issue. That's why a lot of people that don't follow the scouting community and draft and everything, they don't really know about Trey McKitty. Because at Florida State, before he transferred to Georgia this year, he had pretty good season. Came to Georgia, Georgia doesn't use tight ends. So, um, But he is a height-weight speed guy. Uh, that can match up in the red zone. So I like Trey McKitty at number five. Also another guy that I thought had a pretty good uh, week of practice at the Senior Bowl this year. My sleeper is Kenny Yaboa, uh, Durfee's guy. Um, but, yeah, Kenny Yaboa is another big target that can go up and get the ball. Scored a touchdown in the Senior Bowl. Again, another guy I thought looked pretty good at Senior Bowl this year. Um, so, yeah, that is my sleeper. And that is my list, anyways. Not a lot to discuss uh, when it comes to the tight end positions. Mm-hmm. All right, Chris, your list, up, not much changes. <laughs> All right, yeah, so uh, we have the same top five here. The first time that that's happened this year. Um, might be the first time in the two years that we've been doing this. Just different um, slots for three and four. Yep. The only thing is the sleeper. Um, so I'm not going to spend too much time on my top five, but I'll highlight them. Obviously, like you said, Kyle Pitts is the consensus number one tight end. Uh, many think he's going in the first half of the first round, um, possibly even top ten. Uh, top five. He is definitely the best receiving tight end in this draft. Um and like you said, there's a chance that whatever team drafts him, they might turn him into a receiver. Um, I saw one comparison for him saying he'd be like the poor man's Calvin Johnson, um, which is 
pretty high praise. Not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, obviously, like you said, Pat Fryermuth going into the season was was the number one tight end. Um, but then I think his uh, injury and the fact that Penn State didn't have that great of a season, I think that kind of pushed him back a little bit. Um, but if he can overcome that injury and all that, uh, like you said, I think he's the most complete tight end. Um, and I think, yeah, he's he's the prototypical tight end, I think, um, that can block and go out and catch passes. But, uh, um, like I said, the only concern about him is that injury that he had uh, that ended his season. Um and then number three was Brevin Jordan. Um, yeah, he had a pretty solid year for Miami. Um, like you said, he was the uh, primary target, I'd say, for uh, D.R. King. Um, and that led to some pretty good games on his part. Uh, I mean, obviously, like I said, good is good uh, – He's capable of big production, um, but I think his problem was he wasn't. Uh, um, I think he's a little undersized for a tight end, um, so I think if he can bulk up a little bit, he will be great at playing tight end. <laughs> um, number four for me, like you. Hunter Long from Boston College. Um, he had a, also another good 2020, um, showing off his pass-catching abilities. Um, this year he had 57 for 785 and five touchdowns, which is very good for a tight end. Um, and... He uh, he's definitely one of the better blockers in this in this uh, in this draft class. He uh, he's projected to be more of a number two slash blocking tight end, but he uh, like I said, he can still catch the ball. And then my number five, I figured you would know more about him than I do, <laughs> considering you are at Georgia. Um, but like you said, he didn't really have a great season. Uh, it says here he only caught six balls in the regular season. Yeah. Um, but he still did enough to earn him a spot at the Senior Bowl. Um, and, I mean, he this year, though, wasn't a uh, – like you shouldn't just look at this year's production when you're looking at him because he had – great years back in 2019 and 2018 um, with Jake Fromm at quarterback. Um, But yeah, he's also, I think, more of a blocker than a pass catcher. Um, So that's why I think he'll be in the later rounds, maybe an early day three. Um, Possibly even, I think, late day two, but I think more likely to go in the third day. Um, And then my sleeper here was uh, Quentin Morris from Bowling Green. He, uh, obviously being at Bowling Green, it's a smaller school than some of these other guys. 
and they didn't have a lot of action this year. But just like with uh, McKitty, he earned himself a spot at the senior bowl as well. Um, and he was, I think, one of the main weapons for Bowling Green. Um, and he's a, a dangerous receiving threat for uh, for them. Um, obviously, the knock on him, though, is his blocking ability. And uh, I don't think he's good enough at the receiving uh, for that to make up for his lack of blocking. So if he can uh, improve as a blocker, I think he'll be a serviceable tight end in this league. Yeah, uh, I agree. Um, Chris, just asking, why did you put Brevin Jordan over Hunter Long? Uh, I just, I think that, I don't know, maybe it was because of his connection with the Eric King, but he seemed like he was more of the, uh, I think he's, I think he's got the higher potential, I think. Alrighty. Yeah, I was just wondering why the, uh, switch that from, from mine to yours, uh, for the people wandering out there. Um, uh. Uh, well, also, I just wanted to make a side note, too, is the uh, the website that I was looking at all the prospects for, it actually has uh, Jordan ranked number two, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, that that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I know it's not going to happen, but it was interesting to see him ranked as number two and Friermuth as number three. Hey man, I gave you I gave you a website to. I know. <laughs> You're not looking at that one though. I know that. Um, but yeah, those are our ranks uh, for the 2021 tight end class. Go check them out. We'll have them up on tw- uh, Instagram here after the show. At us. Uh, with yep. your thoughts, I know that yeah, I I, uh, I had forgotten to uh, post our receiver rankings the other day, so I had to do it right here today before the show. Um, but I will have the tight end ones out tonight at some point. Yeah. Again, I know there's not much, um, you know, parity, I guess is the word, mm-hmm. when it comes to tight end the tight end position this year. But um, yeah. What I really want people to to let us know is their sleepers, because like Mark had Matt Bushman, you know, there's a there there are other tight ends out there. There, there are tight ends we don't discuss, just like all the other rankings we've had. There are players we haven't discussed that are gonna get drafted, mm-hmm. and yeah, just let us know. We'll have a discussion on Instagram. But yeah, next Monday, like I said, we will be having a director of U.S. scouting for the Montreal Alouettes, uh, Russ Landy, on the show for Football Friday uh, this year, or this week. But next Monday, uh, we will be talking defensive line. We will have all of the FCS 
top 25 games and other interesting games that I feel like putting on. Uh, we will have all those recaps as well uh, as all the as always um, with the NCAA and NFL news offseason week four coming up next Monday. Talking uh, Gregory Russo, Quiddy Pay, and the likes of their defensive line running mates. And uh, next Monday will be what a month till the draft, pretty much. It'll actually be the month of the draft. No. It'll be the first, so it won't be. This will be fun. Won't be the getting month. into draft season. Won't be the month of the draft. Draft is until April, Chris. Or no? Oh wait, okay, hold on. <laughs> April twenty ninth. No, okay, <laughs> so it'll be two months from the draft next week. April 29th, um, mm-hmm. through May first. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. I I was really hoping that we'd only have a month left, but. Hey, like I said, I'm all in on this FCS spring season. I'm down for it. Uh, mm-hmm. Just wish some of these games would be played on national TV instead of ESPN Plus, um, or or no no um, TV at all. Uh, but yeah. as always, don't forget to follow us on all our social media at FAA Podcast on Instagram and Twitter, as well as follow along here on our Facebook page. Subscribe on Spotify. Check out our website FAA Podcast dot com all our previous shows are on there as well chris as mm-hmm. always great time and we'll see you on friday been fun